It's the Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends Podcast. I'm Kyle Belanger. Joining me this morning is one of the most legendary coaches in the history of the game of basketball. She is a 2008 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee. Her Immaculata Mighty Max went 149-15 and 15 in her tenure, winning titles in 72, 73, and 74. She is a gold medal winner as head coach for Team USA for the women's team in the 1975 Mexico City Games. She is Kathy Rush. Ms. Rush, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you, Kyle. I'm honored to be here. Now, no coach in American sports has had their career so linked to dominance at the dawn of a brand new era as you. And and we're going to talk about many of the details in the next several minutes. But speaking generally, what is your reaction more than four decades later when you hear someone say that your Max uh, were basically ushered in the modern era of women's athletics? You know, looking back, and first of all, I have to say how young, you know, my players were, but also I was at that time. I don't think at that time any of us appreciated what was happening. Um, You know, in many respects, it was sort of a blur of activity and games and tournaments. And it's more in retrospect and certainly with age that I look back, and certainly my players do also, of the impact that those teams had on women's basketball. And when you think about how little was known about college basketball teams at the time, I've always said that, if women's basketball wanted a jump start, they would have selected Immaculata, an all-girls Catholic school, 450 students. But in the Philadelphia area, who really latched onto our success, which then became a national success. So with age comes a recognition of, of how much significance it had. And it's incredible because as I think sort of about the development both of basketball at its inception, right? It had to happen at Springfield College at that time before winter break. And we think about your your beginning of the proliferation of the women's game. It really had to happen at Immaculata in Philadelphia, a city whose basketball history runs almost as deep as as the Springfield YMCA, right? Well, it, it really does. I mean, when we won the national championship that first year, no one had paid any attention to women's basketball, women's college basketball in particular. But when we won, we came back to the city of Philadelphia as heroes. And, and over the years, an awful lot of people have complained that, that Philadelphia does not have enough championships. And because we won, there was so much going on and so much press around it that I mean, we couldn't even believe it that we came from obscurity to prominence in the city with that one little victory. And you were 22 years old when you took the reins as the Immaculata head coach, just two years removed from your own college experience. So when you show up on campus at Immaculata, as you said, 450 students, small, uh, Catholic, women only, there's no way that you were thinking national championship or, or or were you right away? Was was this was Kathy Rush just young enough to dream that big? Well, in 1971, I, I took the job at Immaculata College. There was no national championship, so I don't think anyone could foresee that it was going to happen that quickly. And at the time, um, 
I always told the story that I had a life plan. I was going to graduate from college, get married, have children, or teach for three years, have children, and then never work again. Yeah. And the job of Immaculata came up my third year of teaching. And my husband at the time was an NBA referee, and friends of ours called and said, this would be perfect, a little low-key job. You could stay in basketball, which they, everyone knew I loved. <laughs> and when I got out of teaching and had a family, I could still do this on the side. And that was the rationale for taking the job at Immaculata. So it came with, with no dreams, no higher aspirations at all. Gosh, I, I love that part of the story. And I was at Symphony Hall in 2008 when you told your story on the stage one more time. And it's remarkable to think that we're already 10 years later. Uh, and so the following year, after the, the year after you take the reins at Immaculata was a banner year not only for your program, but also women's sports in general. Not only was it the year of the landmark Title IX legislation, but of course your first national title. That's not to say that things were easy immediately. I look back at the records and your team had to hold raffles to earn postseason travel money. Can can you give us some sense of the spirit of these women as they were rewriting history? Well, you have to think that okay, the first year when I was at the Manchalada, the gym had burned down, so we didn't have a home court. So all of our games were on the road. And when I say they were on the road, this didn't mean that we got in the bus and went to the game. At the practice prior to the game night, I mean, I would go around and say, do you have a ride to the game? Are your parents coming? Can I hook you up with somebody? Hmm. And on that team, the 1972 team, all of my starters were commuters, which you know, when I tell the story to present day basketball players, that they can't even grab the fact that after practice, all of these would get a ride home, do their homework, get back to school the next day. I mean, it's just inconceivable today. So, you know, the, the growth of Immaculata, as far as all of a sudden we had a tournament in Maryland, which is our regional tournament, we drove in private cars. We stayed four to a room. We had $7 a day meal money, which even then wasn't a lot of money. We ended up having two meals only per day. Um, when we came back to the campus after qualifying for the national tournament, there was no money. So the girls sold hand lotion. They sold toothbrushes. We had a pep rally at Immaculata where all of the various communities within Immaculata, the student body, the faculty, the board of directors, there was a, a globe in the center of this large rotunda, and people would come up and make a little speech and make a donation. And at the end of that pet rally, and with all the sales we had, we had about $2,800 to fly the team to Chicago and then on to normal Illinois. And very honestly, we didn't have enough money to take everybody. So it was, it was really a tight budget. Gosh, it's remarkable. It still gives me chills thinking about those those decisions that you were, of course, speaking with Kathy Rush, the inimitable, legendary Kathy Rush here on the Basketball Hall of Fame's Naismith Memorial, Basketball Hall of Fame's Legends of the Game podcast. It gives me chills because all of those decisions really turn into the beginning, the backbone of the women's sports revolution. And so I'm wondering... In the following two years, with two more titles and, and your program becoming synonymous, not only with women's athletics and dominance, but also with women's rights, was it difficult maintaining the, the, the blue-collar, commuter-type style 
that got you that first championship once the expectation was to continue to win? Well, again, you mentioned Title IX was passed in 1972. It didn't go into effect for the national championship until 1975 when teams with scholarships could play in the national tournament. So Immaculata, in seven, well, my entire time there, did not offer scholarships, and they made a decision to not offer scholarships. So here we are, 1972-3-4, all of a sudden looking 1975 at schools that had brought in, had gone out and recruited, and brought in great players. And Immaculata was still getting players out of the Catholic League in Philadelphia and many other local areas, but we didn't have anything to offer. So if a parent is sitting and saying, okay, my daughter can go to Immaculata and play for this great program, or she can go to Penn State or other places and get a full scholarship, which was a huge commitment at the time. You know, the decision in most kids' minds was they wanted Immaculata, but they went to Rutgers or they went someplace where scholarships were available. So we had an ascendancy from 72 to 74, and all of a sudden our team became very junior and senior oriented because we weren't getting those great players in the latter years. Kathy, um, I have two more questions before uh, before I wrap our conversation here. So along the way, and, and I don't want to ignore the the incredible strides that your max really gave to the attention for, for, for women in the media as well. You all played in the first nationally televised game, the first women's game in Madison Square Garden, and you were the first women's college team to play outside of the United States. Looking back now, is, is it difficult to put into perspective just how quickly that all flew by? Okay, 40-plus years have, have passed since that time. And, I mean, I can tell you my life has continued with basketball. After I left Immaculata and continued in basketball camps for years, it, you know, I stayed so much in touch with people, and I'm continually amazed at the progress that women's basketball has made and the recognition. That first game on national TV, it's a Sunday afternoon, and being a little bit ignorant about games. I think we beat Maryland 90 to 45 or, or something like that. And I, I said many years later, if I knew more, I wouldn't have run the score up and have kept people interested right to the end of the game. But the number of games on TV, the WNBA, I mean, all the things that have transpired since those you know, early years of Immaculata are just incredible, incredible to me. And I don't think anyone in the 70s could have envisioned how quickly the game has grown. And more importantly to me is young women wanting to play, their moms and dads wanting them to play sports. I mean, that's a transformation in families that all of a sudden there are lacrosse and basketball and softball leagues for women, for young girls that were never there. And part of it is the women's movement and the acceptance of women athletes and the, the quality, the skill level that they have. So to me, Immaculata represents not just basketball, but the movement of moms and dads saying, 
my daughter plays basketball, and they talk about that at the office. I mean, that's exciting. Finally, Kathy, what does it mean for you to be working with the Hall of Fame at this point in your life? You know, I had told the story the night of my acceptance speech at the Hall of Fame that I had been nominated six times for the Hall of Fame. And part of the criteria is the, the coaching career. I coached from 1970 to 1977, almost seven years. And obviously those teams did an incredible job in, in women's basketball. So of the other times when I had gotten nominated, I think people looked at not the record necessarily, but but the shortness of my career. And to finally get in the Hall of Fame and to represent the Maturata and to re- represent the women who participated in that national tournament gives them recognition that I think up until that time they had never had. And if you look back into the 70s, one of my players, Teresa Shank Grants, in her career, we were 72 and 2. And I always make the comment that I was a good coach, but when I had a great player, I was a great coach. And this player dominated women's basketball at the time. And if you look into the future, all of the great players that led their teams, I can go to Lucy Harris, Annie Myers, Nancy Lieberman, all of those great players that led their teams to national tournaments, maybe only once, are in the Hall of Fame. And this great, great player who led her team and, and certainly led me to national championships is probably the only player not in the Hall of Fame right now. So I'm honored because of Immaculata and what they've done. And I would certainly, just as a last thought, like to see Teresa Shankrens get into the Hall of Fame. Well, Ms. Rush, I want to personally thank you for your contributions, not only to American sport, but to American culture. It is because of the contributions of, of, of people like uh, of, of you and, and, and those very few, the handful of pioneers uh, who, who did it before it was expected to be done. And so I want to thank you uh, on behalf of all of the fans of American culture and American sport. Her name is Kathy Rush. She's a 2008 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame enshrinee. And her name is synonymous with coaching, class, dignity, and excellence. Ms. Rush, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Kyle.